MSW Media. Yes, fish eaters, the days of troublesome scaling, cutting, and gutting are over. Because Super Bassomatic 76 is the tool that lets you use the whole bass with no fish waste without scaling, cutting, or gutting. Here's how it works. Catch a bass, remove the hook, and drop the bass. That's the whole bass into the Super Bassomatic 76. Now adjust the control dial so that that bass... Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Joining me now is someone I have been a fan of for most of my life. He is an original member of the Not Ready for Time Primetime Players on Saturday Night Live. He conceived and starred in the film Ghostbusters. He was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his work in 1989's Driving Miss Daisy. Other films include The Blues Brothers, Trading Places, Gross Point Blank, Tommy Boy, and the list goes on and on. In 1992, he founded the House of Blues, and in 2007, he and artist John Alexander launched Crystal Head Vodka. I am absolutely thrilled and honored to welcome to the show Mr. Dan Ackroyd. Dan, how are you? Did your mom call you Daniel? <laughs> she did. Yes. Daniel. Daniel, oh, my brother. How are you, uh, man? I'm good. Thanks for the intro. Geez, I'd forgotten all about all that stuff. All the stuff you've oh, done. You know, the point is that uh, we, we did that with great collaborators, great directors, great actors, great writers. And uh, it was... Uh, it was, it was a collaborative effort always, and I just worked with the best. I, I, had, I got to work with all kinds of wonderful people. Eddie Murphy, uh, you know, Bill Murray, Robert Redford, Sidney Poitier, River Phoenix. You've done it. Well, I, I, I should bring this up, Dan. You've also, uh, I don't know, you're probably not aware of this, but you and I have co-starred in a production together. Uh, in 2014, you did a video for Tales of the Cocktail for the Spirited Awards down at Tales of the Cocktail. An intro mm-hmm. video with Crystal with Crystal Head Vodka. I was yeah, in right. I was in that film as well. So you and I are co-stars, my friend. Excellent, very good. We should. Uh, how's your agent doing for you? <laughs> yeah, but the New York Times. A.O. Scott described my work as transcendent. Yeah, so uh-huh. it was yeah, very nice. Uh, that was in New Orleans, and we were set up in the parking lot there. Yeah, uh, we did the yeah. whole. We did the whole. I was in the part that I shot was actually up here in in Los Angeles. But uh, the video for those of you listening out there, Tales of the Cocktail is a huge cocktail festival held in New Orleans every year, except this year, and they have a, an award ceremony called the Spirited Awards, which is the Oscars of the booze business. And Dan was gracious enough to uh, take part in this uh, video. Really. A, Really an excellent video where uh, Dan, uh, the hosts of the show, Simon Ford and Tom Caltabiano, are trying to get to the awards and they run into Dan and Dan tempts them with some with some crystal head and things go awry from there. Right, right. Yeah, that's a wonderful event, the cocktail, uh, Tales of the Cocktail. It really showcases the bar chefs in the industry, new products, what's happening in, uh, 
in the culture of uh, conviviality, uh, which are which are these 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 bars and, and restaurants that we go to. Uh, this is where conviviality will be will rebegin and will restart. It's going to it's going to start at the corner bar. All of it's going to start at the corner bar. And Tales of the Cocktail celebrates that culture, which of course is now in suspension, unfortunately. It is. Yeah. So Dan, it was around 2007 that you launched Crystal Head. I guess the first question would be. So you did it with your with your friend uh, John Alexander, the artist. How did you become friends with him, and how did you start talking about doing a vodka together in the first place? Well, Johnny and I knew each other from New York. Uh, I was uh, working on SNL, and I had a girlfriend, Rosie Schuster, the writer uh, on the show there, and we worked on a lot of fun stuff together, and uh, we were in love. And then I went off to, uh, I think, to do the Blues Brothers, and she fell in love with Johnny. And she dumped me for him. And uh, so uh, she introduced us subsequently, and we became great friends. And as she says now, well, now at least you have each other. So we had a, a wonderful uh, friendship. And then uh, he, as an artist, you know, he was uh, talking to me one night about, you know, the spirits business, because I brought Patron to, Can- uh, to Canada. I brought Patron into Canada with J.P. DeJoria, the great entrepreneur. No JP. We, uh, it's been on this we, show. Yeah. Jory, yeah. we, we brought the, the Patron to Canada, making it the number one luxury tequila in the country now uh, with a good percentage of sales. And um, we introduced luxury tequila to Canada. You could only get two brands. I won't say them uh, back then. And uh, so we bought Patron in as the luxury brand, the supreme superior premium brand, which Canada did not have. Now, Canadians enjoy Patron all the time. So we were talking about that, John Alexander and I. And he said, well, I've always wanted to put uh, tequila you know, in a skull. And I said, well, a skull. I said, well, draw that up. And I said, I can't do a tequila because I'm loyal to JP. I wouldn't do a tequila to compete with the Patron franchise in Canada. But I said, yeah, skull, we'll draw that up. And he drew up this beautiful skull in about two minutes. I thought, well, draw it up. I was going to come back a month later. You have a drawing for me. In two minutes, on a a brown piece of paper with a, a beautiful pen, he drew up the beautiful skull. I looked at it. I thought, I, there's not, we have to put a non-polluted fluid in there. And vodka is the biggest category. So let's see if we can go get a piece of the vodka market with this beautiful bottle, but let's do something different with the vodka. You couldn't put a polluted vodka in this bottle. It's just too pretty. It's too beautiful. So we did something that is new in the industry. We changed the industry. We stripped all the fusel oils out of our product. No lemonine. No added sugar and no um, uh, glycerine, glyceride, no gly- no glycerol at all in our product. So that's why it's won awards and, and it's selling today after 10 years of existence. Yeah. Now, are you still making it in uh, Newfoundland? Yeah, the water, that's the whole source. Is uh, It's because of the water we're there. It's a, it, we, Water is very sweet there and it, it's just, it makes a perfect base for our uh, peaches and cream corn mash. Uh, in other words, the peaches and cream corn that you get, that fat kernel that you get in the in the autumn and the, the late summer uh, growing, uh, and it goes into the supermarket for, for human consumption. It's not the cattle corn. This is a beautiful fat kernel. We call it peaches and cream because it's viscous. We don't need oil. We have peaches and cream viscosity in there, in our mash. We don't need sweetness. We have the sweetness of the Newfoundland water. And... Uh, we don't need lemonine because we're not out to disguise our alcohol. Sometimes lemonine and glycerol are used to disguise the scent of alcohol, and we we're not afraid. We like our we like our scent. 
Uh, it smells like a good clean alcohol drink, which 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 is what we're all about. A lot of vodkas you uh, you smell and they smell like perfume or they smell like nothing. And um, so ours has a good clean scent to it. I'm gonna I'm gonna open mine up right now. Mm. Now, one of the th- you famously filter this uh, vodka seven times, three of which go through uh, crystals known as Herkimer diamonds. Now, I'd like to ask you, Dan, because I've had lots of people ask me this over the years. You know, I was writer for the Rob Report and Playboy, and they would ask about your vodka. And I want to get your opinion on this. How does that step in the process impact the flavor profile of this vodka? Well, we are. I will get to that. And um, we we have the peaches and cream mash. No one takes the trouble to make vodka that, that we do. We truck the mash a third of the way across Canada onto a nine-hour ferry ride. It's married with the uh, the water at the distillery. Uh, the distillery is the last state-owned still in the world, the government of the province of Newfoundland Labrador Liquor Distillery Corporation, so it's a government manufacturer, very clean. That, that, that means, just to cut you off, that means higher standards, right? It uh, can't have a product do anything is, unless the standard and quality is there. So we got to start with that. So we start with that. And then we filter, uh, we do a, 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 char- a shaken, agitated charcoal, not just a sponge, an agitated charcoal filtration. And then we do um, the micron filtration through steel. And then we go to the Herkimer Diamond. The Herkimer Diamond is found in three areas of the world, Oaxaca, Mexico, in Afghanistan, in a valley there, and in upstate New York, in Herkimer, New York, uh, near Rome, New York. And they're these double-sided crystals, and they're all different colors, yellow, blue, green, red. And you go in the summer, and you lease a plot from a farmer there, and he'll let you go and dig up the crystals and take as many as you want home. They bubble up to the surface of the earth, unlike kimberlite diamonds that you have to go down and dig a pipe for and dig a, a mine. So we take those diamonds, we take the whitest ones of those, and we uh, we take them and we that's our last pour. We pour that satiny, beautiful vodka over the, the diamonds for the last finish. Now, at the end of a few months, those diamonds seem to have a discoloration. They're filtering something out of there. Your high school physics t- uh, chemistry teacher would say, well, pouring C2H506, you know, alcohol over a crystalline uh, structure, that's not going to do anything to the alcohol. However, we have done tests where we pour it over the diamonds and we don't. And people like it when we pour it over the diamonds. They like the taste of it better poured over the diamonds. And also the diamonds are discolored. After a few months, we have to get more of them. So something is being uh, filtered out of there. And I, I think it's spiritual energy, the last spiritual detritus of bad energy in all of the, the process and travel where that liquid has gone through. And finally, at the end, you have the purest, purest liquid possible out there. And certainly it's borne out by our awards and our notes, sweet, vanilla, dry, crisp with a kick of eat off the finish. Um, we have uh, uh, beautiful notes uh, on our wheat vodka as well. And the, the Herkimer diamonds, you see, are very mysterious. They're kind of like the head. The head is a mysterious legend. It was supposed to have been used as a scrying device, a crystal ball by the Navajo, the Anasazi. Uh, they call them uh, the skulls from the star children. The Maya had them in myth and legend. So and the, Na- the Navajo believed they came from extraterrestrials, right? Yeah, the star children. They said they came from the star children. So the crystals there are in these three anomalous areas of the world, and one of them is near Rome, New York, which is near Griffiths Air Force Base. And, you know, in a way, you know, we're linking star children to the Navajo. When we think about the skull, we're thinking about that in legend. 
There were a lot of scrambles against UFOs uh, up in Griffiths there in upstate New York until it was uh, decommissioned. And so the diamond field is right near there. Maybe, uh, maybe the uh, maybe some of the the, the uh, ships that were being scrambled against were there. Just they had this beautiful diamond field on their scanner, and they were there as tourists. That's my theory. That's your theory. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So it, it helps. It helps uh, in the taste, and and something's being filtered out of there. And we continue to use the diamonds as part of our story. When you uh, when you launched this, you said that the brand was about uh, enlightenment and spiritual awakening, and here we are, thirteen years later, in the era of. Donald Trump, do you worry at all that it's not working? Well, I think in this age of, you know, of uh, such adversity and to, to our spirit and to our to our emotional well being, that a, that a palliative for those who can, can consume it moderately is is a necessity. Um, and uh, it helps if you have a good clean vodka to put in a cocktail at night to uh, to watch the evening news with, because boy, we need it these days. Um, we are into the business here, yeah, almost uh, 10 plus, yeah, 13 years. Uh, worldwide awards everywhere. We consume moderately so we can talk about it and enthuse about it. But again, you have to be careful. It's, you know, a, a head is not to be drunk by one person. It's to be drunk by five, hopefully. And indeed, sitting around the campfire and discussing events, there's nothing like a cold shot of the head with a little lime. Oh, I like it with a tangerine juice. I pour it over ice and I take and squeeze, hand squeeze tangerine juice right in there like you're squeezing the uh, yolk out of an egg and then mix that, just that, maybe a little honey sometimes I'll put in there and shake it up or mix it. So that stays crystal driver. And then as, as a straight up martini, the thing's amazing. It just, you, you, you'll see if you have ice, if you have any ice there. I got, an, I got ice right it, here. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Pour a little ice there and you'll see you're going to, you'll smell the clean, clean uh, alcohol. And then you'll, and then you'll you'll feel the natural viscosity, and then our notes, sweet vanilla, dry, crisp, with a kick of heat off the finish. That's why it's so amazing in cocktails. It's got fire that climbs over the, the cocktails. It cocktails cannot overwhelm Crystal Head. Bar chefs love it. It's the blank canvas for bar chefs to to do what they're going to do. It's amazing, you know, Dan, what they put in drinks today. Maple sugar, emulsified sugar, you know, Fernet Branc, uh, elderberry flour, egg white. Uh, they mix all kinds of other liqueurs in there. All kinds of things, Red Bull, all kinds of things go in vodka. So Crystal Head Bar Chefs like it because it's the, the virgin canvas in which to, to use these other additives. I like it pure and I like it, you know, uh, in a cocktail. Well, it certainly holds it on, its own. I can tell you, Dan mentioned earlier the awards. I'm a judge at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, one of the more prestigious. Anthony Gaius Blue is a fan of ours. Anthony, yeah. Anthony's a big fan, and 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 Crystal Crystal Head took home the top prize in vodka a couple of years ago, right? Uh, consistently uh, there, uh, it's, we've been in the running. There, we've been not at the top, right in the running. On double and double again, gold, you've gotten double gold up there, right? Yeah, yeah, we have, we have. And our notes from him just sent me off the highway. Sweet vanilla, dry, crisp, with a kick of heat off the finish. Boy, as a vodka manufacturer, what can do better than that? That's exactly what we wanted to achieve. That kind of a robust quality and and something that stands out. Um, for the for the wheat vodka, the notes are star pepper anise. Uh, with a little more fire, um, and it's those are good for Bloody Marys. They have a little more kind of a spicy uh, uh, to them, the, those bottles of the wheat. And that's our mirror finish. I've only got the, the little finish here. Let me see. There's a there's a 750 of our mirror, of our uh, clear, yeah. and then this. And I don't see a mirror. I don't have one here. 
Ah, they sold out. They sold out. <laughs> what can I do? Well, Dan, you speaking of selling out, you teed it up for me. You're, you know, you're one of the first celebrities to get into the game. There were you, Sammy Hagar. There were a handful of people. Now, the second you book a big movie, your agent's like, all right, what spirit do you want to uh, attach your name to? So you were one of the first, and you've been definitely one of the more successful people doing this. When you look around, in fact, it was just announced this week that uh, our friend Ryan Reynolds just sold Aviation Gin for $650 million to Diageo. Do you ever think about, I'm sure you've been approached. Have you ever thought about selling the brand or is it too uh, dear to you? Well, first of all, uh, we've been approached, sure, uh, several, many times by really credible operators. And, and uh, while right now uh, we enjoy being a part of it, you know, you sell the brand, then you got a whole pile of money, and then there's no brand and no fun of dealing with the business and meeting our distributors and going to the houses and, and seeing the people who own these companies, the on-premise operators who built these businesses from nothing, the distribution houses, the, uh, you know, going to the conventions, the government conventions, having dinner with liquor board uh, uh, supervisors in these states agencies, which we have a great relationship with. So it's really fun. You enjoy that. You, you, you are enthusiastic about the biz, the spirits business. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, here they, they say to me, you must stay in this five-star hotel. You must eat at this nine-star restaurant. You must eat with the lieutenant governor of the state. You know, this is the work I'm given to go out there and, and, and then to, to sip vodka with them. Now, the reason that aviation sold so well is because, one, they have an excellent quality product. You have You can't start anything without that. That aviation gin is a excellent product it's high quality it's a beautiful product well priced then they have the magic of ryan reynolds uh celebrity status going in there and uh helping it online with social media but also he got out into the field he did the real work he went and met the people he said a lot of them he embraced the industry that's what you have to do and so that kind of work will will yield a great success. But you have to start with quality. It's a, a lovely package as well, and all the uh, all the pluses we're going we're going for him there and them his partners. So I uh, I put the word out, Dan, that I was going to be talking to you on social media, and people went crazy. And I invited them to to lob some questions that I would uh, then ask you. So I want to throw a couple that came in via social media. We'll start here. Sarah Reister said to ask you to put the opening directly on top of the head so she can put a candle in it after the vodka is gone. Will you take that under advisement? Well, uh, you mean she wants the spout straight up and down? Straight up and down, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, well uh, that's what makes us distinctive is that little cant. Uh, you know, if it were straight up and down, believe me, it would cost less to fill at the factory with the machines. But we like that cant in it. You can put a you can put a a, a candle in there. It's just uh, you know you got to kind of tweak it, I guess, or bend it. You got to turn it a little bit. Bend yeah. it at the base, I suppose. Yeah, well, lots of people put candles in there. I've seen them. Yeah, right thickness with the right thickness in the hole. You can do the it. right thick. Yeah, yeah. If the okay. right candle candle thickness goes in the hole. It will work. If it's too thin, it will it'll wobble. Yeah. Patty Shikram Costantino said, "What are some of the more creative ways?" You've heard about people repurposing the skulls after the vodka runs out. Zippered black leather, rhinestones, uh, gold, uh, gold plating, brass plating, uh, chandeliers, uh, hood ornaments for cars. 
uh, light fixtures, uh, furniture, glass wall for showers. On our website, World Wide Web, crystalhead.com, you'll see the thousands of things artists have done with it. They've And the artistic community really embraced it, as they should. It's from two artists, my friend John Alexander, the artist. My friend uh, is an artist. I'm an artist, a writer, right? And so, uh, you know, uh, the artistic artistic community loved the design of it and, and, embra- and embraced it. Uh, and then so there's thousands of things that they've done. They've done they fill it with model airplane paint, M&Ms, colored sugar, colored sand. Color, uh, sometimes they will do these cocktails. Where they'll lop the whole top off the bottle and they'll do a big Mai Tai in there. Just 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 wonderful use of the, of the bottles. Yeah, it's, it's been so much fun. That's been a great aspect of it. But it wouldn't be anything. We wouldn't be here where we are today unless the fluid really, you know, really held up. up and it does. Yeah. Speaking yeah, along yeah. those lines of interesting things, did you hear about the uh, forensic artist in Scotland, Dan, who reconstructed <laughs> a, a face on based on the body? I went and looked at it. The good looking face there. Well, yeah, it was a bit kind of on the side of the Neanderthal, uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, Saxon warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. The guy's name was Nigel Cockerton, by the way. If someone's he gonna, was very, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a name, <laughs> Nigel you, Cockerton. Stand, stand up and be proud of that one. Stand up and be proud. But uh, the the yeah, all no, that the, the that was really good work, and uh, and uh, really really exciting to to, to see that uh, that they could take, which they do in, in the crime solving all the time, and to, to take our bottle that way and and actually build it out. It wasn't the Pretty face amazing. I was thinking. It wasn't the face I was thinking of when we launched, but. Anyway, our skull has a happy little grin. It's a happy, happy skull. Heather Heather McGovern said, wanted me to thank you for the Pride edition this year. Uh, so just so everybody knows, back in May, uh, they, they came out with a, a rainbow-colored bottle, Crystal Head Vodka, uh, that you guys have been supporting the, the LGBTQ community for years. Uh, the Kaleidoscope Trust, Stonewall Sports Program, Test Positive Awareness Network, Lurie's Children's Hospital Transgender Youth Program. And this year you did a special bottle, $50 uh, money going towards these various great causes. And apparently this is something you're going to you're going to do now every year. You know, it's been. Yes. Well, we've been supporting that community, but that community has been supporting us since we first came out. Uh, we, we they've embraced us, the LGBTQ community. Um, I think it has to do a little bit with, of course, the the mass appeal of the skull. You know, everybody likes the skull, but, you know, we're a Canadian vodka. We're not a Russian vodka. And the stance that Russia now, uh, you know, has against gay people is, uh, it's, it, it's, it's something that needs to be addressed and corrected somehow. This is primitive thinking. In Chechnya, there are white vans coming up and grabbing gay people off the street and abducting them, and you never see them again. So I think that there may be a, there's a little bit of a political, uh, you know, political view of our product as uh, Canadian. It's a safe Canadian vodka. It's not a Russian vodka. A lot of multiple bar operators in the uh, LGBTQ bar operator community embrace us for that reason. But again, it's just because hey, we we embrace all people. We come from Canada a diverse and tolerant society. And the quality of our vodka is there. The design is something uh, that uh, appeals to the LGBT community because they are uh, have a flamboyant and, I would say, a colorful <clears throat> design sense in terms of dress and decor. And they're among our most beautiful visual stylists, if you will. Look at Queer Eye for Straight Man, that, how, they, how they take and manage 
those cases. I, I'm a candidate for that. <laughs> Me and um, you both. So, I, yeah, so, but I, I, you know, so we do embrace them. They've embraced us and we have a great uh, union there and that's going to continue. Uh, there's a bar in Chicago in Boys Town. They've got the big uh, head, the one, the big uh, head behind me. They have that downstairs, upside down. They're pouring cocktails for brunch, you know. And uh, so we, we, uh, they're just, just great customers for us. And I had a, a lovely lecture session there. Last summer, I was supposed to go again there for Blues Fest, but that's all, that's all off. That, when I go to Chicago now, that's one of my first stops is uh, on a Saturday night to see that community. It's really fun. Folks, I've never admitted this on the show before, but I'm a guy. Yeah, it's true. And as a guy, I'm here to tell you that so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair. That's why when we get into our 20s and 30s and start noticing the first signs of hair loss, it definitely feels like panic time. Because let's face it, no guy is ever ready to go bald. Thankfully, now there's Keeps, the simple and easy way to keep your hair. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. Treatments start at just $10 per month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. That's right, free. How? Well, if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash drinking. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash drinking to receive your first month of treatment for free. Take care of your hair, and your hair will take care of you. Speaking of the big cities, Dan, I hail from Philadelphia, where you made one of your, in my opinion, certainly one of your best films, Trading Places. Mm -hmm. What was your, in fact, I worked, when I was in college, I worked at the Rittenhouse Hotel. Right off, oh, yeah. right off Rittenhouse Square, which is where you shot a lot of the movie there. I think that's where the Duke brothers lived and Eddie was yeah. on the street begging. That's right off Rittenhouse. What, were your, what was your experience like in Philadelphia? I'm sure you've been back there since then, but, you know. Well, first of all, really wonderful, friendly, friendly people. Do you know Larry Corman, the developer? I don't, know. Okay, well, you know, one of the great magnanimous people. Uh, really friendly, just, just wonderful people. Great crews, great local crews when we had them there. Um, it was, it was, uh, a, you know, it's a beautiful architectural city. Uh, you know, it was where really the, the paleontology, uh, trade started because of the museums there. It's an educated, sophisticated city that, uh, that embraced us when we came there. I remember, uh, I was staying at the CP hotel, but some of the crew was staying at the Bellevue Stratford. And yep. subsequently I, I visited there after the Legionnaires disease, uh, that's right. Belushi, when we were driving across country, we we purposely stayed there after that plague. <clears throat> but uh, it, it was a just a beautiful time, and the city was photographed beautifully, wonderfully. Landis made it really look great, and uh, we weren't there long enough. I think we were only there a couple of weeks, and uh, you know, would love to go back. Would love to make a movie there, and anywhere in Pennsylvania, I'd love to make a movie. Dan, when you talk about driving across country with Belushi, was this right before he died? No, this was in the early years, uh, right, uh, sort of, uh, uh, right in Saturday Night Live and Blues Brothers days in the, you know, the show would break and then we would find a drive-away car from somebody that needed it delivered across country. We'd put our Nakashima stereo in the back and away we'd go, you know, and he loved that. He loved the drive across. Well, I, the reason I bring it up, Dan, is uh, this is a story I've not told before. So I, I was friends with and used to work with Hunter S. Thompson. 
Oh, and uh, uh, as well, as well. I yeah, knew him well. I know you yeah. know Hunter, and uh, so mm-hmm. you've been you've been out to Al Farm before, I, I imagine, yeah. and so there was uh, Al Farm was Hunter's house, and it was sort there was a very museum like quality to it. He collected a lot of things over the years, I saw. and everything yeah. was around. So the there was one item for me a particular fascination, and the story that as I know it is that so over the kitchen sink and the, the kitchen was the sort of the nerve center of, of Hunter's house and pinned up over the kitchen sink was a Polaroid picture of John Belushi and Hunter S Thompson that Hunter told me was taken. John was driving cross country. And I believe this is true right before he died. He drove across the country and he stopped at Hunter's place and then he went to California. Does that ring true to you? Mm, I know he was at Hunter's place at some point when he was shooting uh, Continental Divide. Yeah. Because he was in Colorado. But the last summer of, I can pretty well clock his movements there from the last time I saw John. And that he would have been in New York about, well, I, all that, that last summer in Martha's Vineyard was heaven. Because uh, I had him off the powders and pills. All he was doing was having a little brandy and smoking dope. And he wasn't, he wasn't agitated. He was, it was no anxiety. He was sleeping good. He'd come over and lie on the couch at my place. We'd watch stuff. Judy and him were free flowing, going back and forth. My, my friend, the Viking would cook soup for him. It was a, just a wonderful summer. Then in the autumn, he got back to New York and had to go out for these meetings and he flew out to uh, LA and I saw him uh, sort of peeking over the hood of a or the roof of a limousine white limousine headed to Jersey for some reason and he went over there and I imagine he was scoring dope that night but he flew to LA and uh, I think the pressures of the business and also his respiratory wasn't that strong. Uh, and also the woman misjudged the dose of the, uh, you know, well, mis- how can you misjudge a speedball? You shouldn't be playing with that shit at all. I mean, yeah. to misjudge it. You know, she, did, she didn't mean to kill him any more than I did. I did. And, uh, you know, uh, but uh, I think that it was a combination of things. But no, he wasn't driving across country at that point. No. So I might have gotten it wrong because, you, as you can imagine, a lot of these stories with Hunter, we were all out of our minds on drugs. So maybe I got it wrong. But I, I do know that he had told me that this photo was one of the last pictures of John alive, take, taken of John alive. This is what Hunter said. Maybe maybe he meant it was the last photo that he ever took with John. Maybe, yeah. but I do remember he, was, he saw him a lot during the making of the movie, and then he came back. That was John's last movie, Continental Divide. Then he came back to New York. Uh, and uh, Well, that photo was yeah. hanging up over the sink. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. so uh, you, you remember when Hunter died, Johnny Depp threw a big, a memorial. Yes. So I yeah, went there yeah. and there was about 250 people there and they constructed a whole outdoor area, like a lounge area. So the house yeah. was, the house was kind of was just where people put their coats. So I went into that house at one point with a friend. I'm going to guess it was probably to do some illegal drugs or something in the, in the bathroom. And then I was standing in the kitchen and I was all alone and no one's in the house. And I had this crazy moment. I was a little bit out of my mind and I'm staring at the photo and Hunter's dead. And I know there's going to be all legal wrangling about his, his stuff. And, and I had this angel and devil thing going on in my head. It was going, take, take it, <laughs> just take it. Hunter would want you to have it. Right. Okay. He, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. You'll protect it. You, you know, uh, and then the other side's going, you can't take it. You're stealing from a dead man. And it almost, 
Dan, it almost got like Lord of the Rings. I was reaching no, 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 out no. like Gollum. I was like, my precious. And and the woman walked out of the bathroom and said, hey, what are you doing? I was like, nothing. <laughs> and no, I, no, I, no, I didn't no, no, take no. it. And it probably ended up in a shoebox somewhere no, in a no, warehouse. Dad, what, what are you talking about, Todd? Dan, you, of, course you, of course you were supposed to have that pen. You should have grabbed that. You should have grabbed it. What are you, what are you fucking talking about? Of course you were supposed to have it. What are you talking you about? You son of a bitch. Yeah, take it. Take it. You, uh, take it. Take it. Yeah, oh, no. Beautiful. beautiful. So when you, when you heard about John, do you remember where you were when you heard about it? Oh, yeah. Um, sure, sure. Uh, I was uh, typing a line for him for Ghostbusters. I was at our office at 155th Avenue. That's right. Oh. It was about 8.30 in the morning. I'm typing a line for him, and the phone rings from L.A., and it's the manager telling him, and I got, all I'm thinking is I got to get to Judy's house. Right now, she can't hear this on the radio. She can't see this on the newspaper. So I drop what I'm doing. I run out, run from 23rd Street and Fifth Avenue to Morton Street down in the village, run all the way past a newsstand. It's already there. Like a minute after I hear about the thing, it's Belushi dead at 33. How did the news get so fast? How did it get the papers out? So it was he was 33. Kind of a time work. He's yep, 33. Yep. God, he seemed, yep. does he seem old? He seems so much older to me in my, because I was a child, I guess, when I first, mm-hmm. 33. Yeah, 33. Yep. Yep. So I, I, I went and I, uh, I, I rang the doorbell and Judy answered it. And, you know, I told her she, that he was gone and, you know, but the two of us, we sort of, he was really drifting at the end and we, we were trying to get him back. I think, had we gone out there a day or two before, you know, that's all what I'll live with always is I'm, I might have been able to catch him. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. All these years. I mean, it's been well, a long, long time, but I, it seems like it's still uh, pretty I painful. Think of him, I think of him every day. I think of him every day, every day. Is he one of the, would you say he's one of the most talented people you've ever worked with? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I was, you know, he, he could really move and dance and he was a very capable singer. And a great actor and comedian, and a really fine actor and comedian. He was very well read and very intelligent. Yeah, he was a he was a very sharp guy. Well, yeah, John, John was, would appreciate this question from Ted Glennon. He said, "Have you ever tried Crystal Skull in an orange whip?" Oh yes, absolutely. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the head whip. <laughs> is it called we the head whip? It. Oh yeah, the head whip. Yeah. So that really is a thing. You've done that. Yeah, I use a little meringue in it. Yeah, and, uh, the orange whip is of course honeydew, and it's got some kind of a candy. Uh, thing in there like a meringue or a it's like the you know what a creamsicle is sure yeah it's that filling that's that an orange whip should taste like a creamsicle but loaded with crystal head wow that's you know the the creamsicle head yeah that <laughs> would be delicious i'm gonna try that yeah of course we do nate laird wants to know are the diamonds used in the filtration process gluten-free okay everybody's a comedian out there now right uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no diamond but most people don't realize that, that gluten is not an issue in alcohol production. It does or not survive distillation. The heat does not survive. So you can have a wheat, our wheat vodka. Yes, it's made with gluten. But, you know, the, the essence of the gluten doesn't doesn't survive. It's burnt, all burnt off. You know, you're getting water in the mash. That's it. But you know what? I'll tell you, in terms of marketing genius, Dan, I'm sure you appreciate this, is, you know, Tito Beverage... That was a stroke of genius, putting those gluten free on, on the on the Tito's vodka yeah. because I think people really it helped. There was a lot of reasons why people embraced it, but that was one of the reasons. Is oh, this is gluten free, yeah. and I would tell people well, all of it's gluten free. Yeah, that's right, marketing. Yeah, no. So the Liquor Control Board of Ontario would not let them put that on there. I wonder. I haven't checked a bottle of Tito's here if they 
They told us we couldn't put gluten-free on ours. In the States, it definitely was, yeah. So uh, Chris Maxwell said, just want to let you know, maybe this is somebody who works for the, that Ka Tequila was in no way competing against or stealing the look of Crystal Head. Ka Tequila has bottles, um, Dan's, I'm sure you're aware, that look like a skull. Did you take notice when they came out with that? We won in federal court when we find out found out that a sculptor from California was hired by the owner of Ka to copy our bottle. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I oh. we had two cases in federal court. We prevailed on appeal in the federal court in the in the uh, the ninth district court of Los Angeles uh, before Judge Marshall, and in the end, a jury ruled. Oh yeah, they copied you. That yep yep they they copied the cant at the top we were talking about. They copied our base. The width of the eyes. I took a ruler out in front of the jury. Oh, yeah. We won. Now I feel like an asshole bringing this up. Sorry. We, no, it's fine. Caught tequila. They straight up ripped us off. They, they, and the jury, and the jury agreed with us because a sculptor sculpted the bottle at her request four months after we came out. Then she changed it a little bit, but she lied. She perjured herself. And so we won in federal court. We own now uh, the trademark worldwide, pretty much bulletproof 100% for the skull bottle. And that's for, Anything you want to put in it. Okay. Hot sauce. Yeah. It was a tough fight, but we won. Um, no, they, they were they were robbers. Robbers. Um, Alden, Kark, Alden Kirkman said, you are a lovely human. James Bowers. No. <laughs> I am not human. I am from the planet Ramula. Well, you will be spared when my species overtakes you. A miserable planet. <laughs> Love it. Uh, James Bowers wants to know, have you ever given thought, and I, I've actually had this thought before too, to creating a bartender-friendly bottle that fits in a well? We're not a well product because we're a premium product. Uh, we're meant to be on the back shelf displayed with premium products. We're meant to be lit up. We're meant to be to bring the eye to the bar, not in a well. A well, you want a well, you go and get your eight ninety nine vodka, not your crystal head. And it's And there's no problem, bartenders, let me tell you something. There is no problem handling this bottle, bartenders, okay? It's the only one you can throw up in the air like this, like a basketball. You can put it on your shoulder like this and have it talk to you. There's no problem. You grab it like this. You grab it by the face. You grab it here like this. You take off the cork and you pour it, okay? It's not a well product. Never will be. You grab it here. You want to grab it by the neck? You grab it here. By the face. Here. It's maneuverable. It's to sit on the back bar and attract the eye to your bar. So maybe people aren't drinking vodka that night, but if your vodka is next to a fine whiskey, they... See the skull and then see the whiskey. You're going to sell whiskey. You're going to sell tequila. You're going to sell everything with Crystal Head on your back bar. Jonas Garvin, friend of mine on social media, Jonas Garvin said he wants to know, is Fred Garvin my real father? Fred Garvin, male prostitute. Ladies and boys, come on. We'll take care of you. $50 a minute. You just made Jonas Garvin very happy. Fred Garvin, Jonas, my son, my good son. Watch it there, son. Adjust my trust for me, boy. You going to do some driving for me? Chris Sawyer, sommelier friend of mine up in uh, the Sonoma Sonoma area, said he had a memorable evening with you and your gorgeous wife, Donna Dixon, a few years back. Ask him if he would suggest adding some vodka to the famed Fishomatic medley. Now, I, I'm going to have to correct my friend Chris Sawyer there because I believe what he's talking about is the Bassomatic 76, right? You know what? That uh, that that makes a great bouillabaisse, and vodka is frequently added to bouillabaisse. At least, you know, my aunt used to do it, my, and she was the Julia Child of Canada, and she added, uh, she used the Bassomatic. That's when I first saw it, when I was uh, 
13 years old. I was in shock. She dropped the fish into the blender. What? I said, the head, the bones, everything. Oh, it's a bouillabaisse. And she poured some vodka in there. So, they, so it's a popular thing, vodka and bouillabaisse, yeah? Yeah, okay, great. And then we also, oh, uh, Tim McDonald wants to know, what is in the mash bill these days? Peaches and cream corn, Newfoundland water, filtration, uh, that's it. That's it. Uh, and the wheat, sunset wheat from Yorkshire, England, Newfoundland water, again, which we harvest the wheat. We take the mash over there, we bring it in a, in a boat. To the to the Newfoundland distillery, then we ship it out of the world. No one takes the trouble to make it as clean and high quality as we do. So that's it's all just the mash and the water. That's it. When you think about your legacy, Dan, I don't know if you do think about your legacy, but you've obviously you've, you've got a tremendous body of work. You have accomplished a great deal, uh, and I, I laid out a bunch of it at the at the top of the show. Where does Crystal Head fit in? And is this something? Obviously, it's something you're extremely proud of, but this is as opposed to the collaborative things that you've done. And there, obviously, there's a collaboration here, but this is an idea that you and a friend had that you brought to fruition on your own. How do you how do you feel about it now? Thirteen years well, in, we we have fifty people working for us, or fifty to sixty people working for us around the world. Head office agents. Uh, that's not counting the distributor chain. That that's you know, there'd be a thousand if you if you are partners in distribution. Uh, 30 people on the line right now. So there are wonderful collaborators. I'll put it into perspective for you. I was nominated, as you said, for an Academy Award. It was wonderful to get that recognition. Uh, very guys, grace, grateful for it. Uh, I was nominated with John for a Grammy, Best New Artist of uh, 1979. A wonderful recognition there. Uh, won an Emmy for writing uh, the Sissy Spacek uh, Saturday Night Live show. Uh, great recognition. Uh, I'm a uh, I'm invested with the Order of Canada. It's a vice regal decoration given by the Governor General of Canada in the Queen's name, recognizing uh, people who want to make the country and the world a better place. A wonderful, wonderful honor. I've been uh, given the Order of Ontario for like services, but the award and honor that I cherish most okay. was the prize we took. At the Moscow Prodexpo Bar Show for excellent taste in Russia, a Canadian vodka in Russia at the bar show, unsolicited. We didn't even enter, and we won the Prodexpo Excellent Taste Medal. That's the greatest award I've ever had. No doubt. Are you serious? Come on. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So oh, wait a absolutely. minute. Th- that award. Kidding? That award means to more to you some- than than being sitting at the Oscars. To have it lips, to have it on the lips of real, you know, of, of of connoisseurs, and to have the product out in the world, and have it recognized in that way, and to be able to talk about such an achievement, no, no doubt, because it's a tangible, tangible thing. Now, I won't, you know, I won't uh, diminish the work I did with my great collaborators in radio, television, records, film. Uh, really great collaborators. And, you know, I tried to supply a triple A product. So I'm not going to come into the vodka market with anything less, anything less than a triple A or quadruple A product. So you, uh, you're Canadian. <laughs> proud of and it. Born, proud of how, it. How, I'll tell you how. Yeah. I'll tell you. Well, don't lose your train of thought. Go ahead. But I'll tell you how Canadian I am. I was born on July 1st, Canada Day in Ottawa, the capital. My grandfather at the time was a Royal Canadian Mounted Policeman. My uh, father was a high Anglican Englishman. My dad, my mom, a, a French Canadian Catholic. 
So I'm very, very Canadian, very Canadian. Where in the pantheon of famous Canadians, and there are so many, and and, and so many of them. Alan Thick. Alan Thick. You're right below uh, him. You're right there. Oh well, I, I I'm below a lot. David Foster. I mean, you got Mike Marty Myers, Short. Marty Short, Marty Seth Short, Rogen, Michael yep, J. Rogen. Fox, Jim yep. Carrey. I mean, yep, yep, how yep. does this John Candy? John Candy. How does this? I mean, who else are we forgetting here? I mean, there's so many. Uh, well, Pam Anderson. Let's not forget mm-hmm. Pam Anderson. Shatner, yep. Michael Sarah, Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. How does Matthew Perry? The list Tom goes. Cruise, he lived, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise lived in Ottawa as a kid. Donald Sutherland. Yeah. You though, when I think of luminaries from Canada, I think of you. Well, if you'll put me in that pantheon, I'll gladly accept the. I'll I'll, I'll elbow my way into the position and put my face out there. But I think in comedy, the reason that that, that Canadians do so well, Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, uh. Marty Short, right? Hey, I mean. So they do well because we had the mixture. We had the British BBC and CBC comedy influence, the English Music Hall, Spike Milligan, the Goons, the Pythons. But we also had the American, Phil Silver, Desi Arnaz, Lucy, the the sitcoms, Danny Thomas, uh, Dick Van Dyke. So we had the confluence of Canadian-American television and that influence there. And and kind of we knew how to blend it when when we got on stage at Second City and 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 kind of parody both cultures. I think that helped uh, Canadians in comedy to create uh, when they did. When you got Saturday Night Live, Dan, did you what did you think when you got the gig? Was it like, well, I'm going to be on a, a network show, or did because I've read interviews with some of the other cast members, and it didn't seem like anybody had an idea that it was going to become the phenomenon that it did, and is today. Yeah, and still, I mean, it's the greatest, I think it's safe to say that no other show in the history in the history of any medium has spawned as many Writers, careers, producers, directors, as, in, careers. incredible. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the, the body of work of the cast members of Saturday Night Live, and obviously you're right there, did you have any inkling going in that this, that you were part of something that was going to be even remotely that special uh well f- well first of all i don't think i don't think lauren even knew that it would last so he said i'm not going in and doing a pilot or one or two or three i want seven you give me seven i'll do this for you otherwise it's not worth my time effort uh, you know uh, or creativity so lauren made them buy seven and then i of course had faith in lauren and faith in the writers once we started to see the early material coming in and some of the films that were coming out, the films and parody commercials, I knew we were in good shape writing and parody and comedy wise. We had a good late night slot. You know, there was no reason to think that it would, uh, you know, it would fail, but we didn't have any idea what, what, what it might become and is today. I remember being before going on stage for the first sketch, the sketch of, you know, breaking into a, someone's home to prove that their security is uh, faulty home security sketch with Garrett. I looked at him and he looked at me and I, you know, I was thinking to myself, well, this is it. If this doesn't work, if this sketch doesn't work, or if I die during the sketch or if there's some, well, uh, you know, I, 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 I saw a nice price tag on that international snowplow back there in Canada there. Um, and I could pick it up, uh, you know, with the money I got from the show. So I was ready to go right back into snowplowing if the, 
So even at that point, like for real, no, no so, idea. For real, no at that idea. point, you you had to be you were racked with insecurity about whether it's going to happen, right? Yeah, that was my thought. If this fails, if I fail to do this, if something goes wrong, it's live. It's I'm I'm just going to resign myself. I will leave New York City and I will. I will become a snow clearance contractor. It's not a bad living, by the way. No, well, I think I speak for uh, I think I speak for the rest of the pop culture loving world when I say that I'm glad that it didn't fail and that we got to see the uh, everything that you would go on to do and and I get to drink some of what you've gone on to do here and that we and that we and that we got to see the work of Kristen Wiig and Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and uh, Sherry O'Terry and. Uh, Melissa McCarthy was essentially a, a Damn, were you member, at the uh, were you at the Saturday Night Live reunion at the US Comedy Arts Fest in Aspen? Did you go? Uh negative. Haven't been up to Colorado for a while. I was there. I mean, this is a long, long time. I thought of it because you brought up Sherry O'Terry and I was yeah. friends with Sherry. And do you remember this? It's probably twenty some years ago. They did a big SNL reunion there at the, the Comedy oh, Fest. Oh. And okay. Sherry was there. And I boy the, everybody from the cast would hang out at this hotel, and I remember she'd take me around, and we'd sit. And at that time, I think it was like Kevin Nealon and Dennis Miller and Dana Carvey and Sandler and all these different people are sitting around. And it was just, even then, and now you've had so many years since then, of so many more, so much more talent has come along, I was blown away by how someone has been able to sort of curate and that's Lauren Michaels to bring together. How do you do it? How do you bring together? How do you find this many incredibly funny people? Well, by just being the greatest impresario that uh, the century has ever seen. And by having a great uh, ear for intelligent uh, comedy and absurdist comedy and scatological comedy and knowing how to mix it all up and take the cards on the board and put them all in order so that they run so that the cranes and cameras get to where they want to be. I mean, no one else in the world does that job, but Lauren Michaels and uh, all backed up by solid uh, hiring of writers, solid personnel vetting, and, uh, except for the one thing there last year, but, uh, and solid, uh, you know, solid recruitment of, of talent. He's got, he's got scouts all over the planet finding the best people in the business. Well, Dan Aykroyd, I am, uh, I, I, I have to tell you, I'm sure you probably hear this from a lot of people, but for as long as I can, you know, remember, I said that, you know, it, I've was a fan. I was a kid when SNL came out, but I, I'm pretty sure I saw every movie ever made, especially when I was, <laughs> right. It was Dr. Detroit all down the line. And, uh, you've always been one of my favorite artists, one of my favorite entertainers, just, a, a and to have the chance to talk to you, man. And, to and to do this is is a real thrill for me. And I got to tell you, the thing that I do well is is evaluate this stuff. And you have done such a fantastic job with Crystal Head. The love that you have for the brand shines through with every sip. It's it's a uh, this is a there was no there hasn't been a corner cut here. That's very clear. All of the accolades that you've gotten for this vodka are well deserved because it's delicious. The head brings people together, Daniel. So here we are. Very good. Very good. I'd love to, you know, knock one back. Let's get the House of Blues open. Uh, did you go to the one in Los, in Los Angeles? What a club, man. What a oh, club. Oh, it was such that. a great, right on Sunset Boulevard. And they had the, uh, what did they call it? The foundation room upstairs. Yep. Was, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, one of the best nights yeah. of my life, Dan, was Tales of the Cocktail, the House of Blues in New Orleans. Is that the original? Oh. Was that the original? No. 
No, Cambridge, Massachusetts was the original, but yeah. But uh, New Orleans was the third one, I think. I remember being down at Tails, at the, and they had a House of Blues right down there in the French Quarter, and it was right after Michael Jackson died, okay? And Bacardi threw a big event at, they rented out the House of Blues, and they threw a big event, and the DJ was uh, uh, Jazzy Jeff, you know, DJ Will Smith's part, and then, uh, yes. man, DJ AM was the other DJ, and they did a Michael Jackson tribute. This is a day after he died. They did a Michael Jackson tribute that was one of the most mind-blowing things I've ever witnessed. I, an entire, that, and it was such a beautiful room, that house. And, and you're watching everybody up and down and up and down. And it's a great memory for me. And that, that you know, that's a, in the list of things you've done, it's kind of crazy that that's, to me, that's so far down the list. But it was still a huge thing, the House of Blues. I mean, I saw so many shows at the House of Blues. Well, you know, where it's going on, uh, you know, to, I don't know, 40 years of cultural preservation there in House of Blues, 20 plus years of that. You know, we have the largest collection of rural uh, folk art in the world, and uh, we celebrate the African-American songbook uh, in every breath over there. And uh, we're hoping to get the venues open again soon. And I'd love to, you know, whether it's Vegas or New Orleans or Chicago, sit with you and uh, and have a couple of cocktails and have some uh, some of our great Louisiana cooking and uh, and just hang, man. That'd be wonderful. Dan, when this, when this thing ends, and it's going to end, I know that, you know that, it's going, we're going to get through this. And when it does... And you, uh, for sure, when you're in Los Angeles, uh, I would love nothing more than to... Mastro's at the beach. I'm right there. I'm in Venice Beach, man. It's right up the road. And I'm a part, I'm a part, you talk about food, I'm a partner in a barbecue restaurant. So what we'll do is you'll come out, we'll take a couple bottle, we'll take a bottle of the head to the barbecue, we'll eat some barbecue, have some cocktails, and then we'll go sit out and have some... uh, Drinks, watch the sun go down. Very. Yeah, the head on the bar of your restaurant. This is like a gritty bar. It's called Baby Blues. It's only it's beer and wine there at this. You know, they don't. We don't even have the full liquor license there. But, but you know, I can sneak a bottle in for for us. We'll sit in the back room. There you go. Well, Dan Aykroyd, it is. This has been a real pleasure. And uh, thank you, man. Crystal, Crystal Head Vodka. Everybody out there, go get it. Drink it. It is. It is one of the best vodkas in the world. The Russians have attested to that when they gave Dan the award that means more to him than any other award he's ever gotten. Now, we do have something new coming. I, I, you're the first person uh, initially to hear this uh, in the industry, uh, in the wider media. We are going to have an, uh, we had our bone bottle that was out there for a while. We're going to have an onyx bottle coming out. And it is beautiful, just beautiful. Oh, wow. So, so it's, bo- it's going to be a black bottle. Deep, deep onyx bottle. And in it. When is that happening? Soon, we're working on it now, but uh, we are going to have an agave-based vodka in that. We are crossing into the agave category with the agave, the blue agave quality and premium purchase of the fruit of the piña with a specific vodka-style distillation that we think is just going to blow the industry away. We're really excited. So when Dan talks about the blue the blue agave, the, of course, that's the agave used to make tequila. I'm I'm interested to hear more about this when you when that comes out can we uh, can we have you back on the show? For sure, you're hearing about it first now. We're breaking it on your show. The Onyx Crystal Head Onyx Blue Agave uh, vodka product is is coming soon. You heard it here first, Dan Aykroyd. Everybody, thank you, sir. It was a real honor. Thank you. Have fun. <laughs>